You're listening to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Hear stories, uncover insights, and tune into interviews on key issues that impact realtors and all of us. Join us as we discover how people, properties, and communities all come together to build the future of real estate. Hi, everyone. It's Jason Mercer, TREB's Chief Market Analyst. We're back with another episode of Ready to Real Estate. Today, we're talking about how you can reach and connect with more people on your social media channels. And Chelsea Pites, real estate social media strategist and best-selling author, is here to share how you can empower what you post. Chelsea is a 22-year real estate industry veteran who became a licensed agent in 2001, before Facebook, and did business the old-fashioned way for over a decade. So thank you very much, Chelsea, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great. And I, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add on top of what I uh, uh, just said in my introduction about your sort of pathway from agent into dealing on the social media side of things. Yeah. You know, just some like, you know, personal information. I am a small dog rescuer. I have two new-ish small dogs and we're working through all of the personality challenges that come along with a rescue dog. Um, and I'm a mom to an eight-year-old son and I do love wine tasting. So now you have a few personal tidbits about myself. And yes, I've been in the industry 22 years. I jokingly tell people that I was licensed in 2001 BF before Facebook. So I've done business the quote old fashioned way for many years without even having social media, mainly because it didn't exist. So uh, if anyone here is listening to this that thinks, oh, maybe it's too late for me to get involved or I didn't grow up with it, I am living proof that you are going to be able to embrace and learn it in a digestible format because it is overwhelming. Well, that's great. And, and I think that's a nice segue because I want to, you know, unpack social media uh, algorithms, at least generally, you know, right off the top. And we know that they play a large role uh, in what posts a user will see. But why is it important to understand how social media algorithms work and, and how can you make the most out of them with your business? This is probably my favorite topic to talk about in social media. And this goes back to my particular learning style. And I didn't realize that my particular learning style or how I process information might be helpful to other people. It turned out when I broke things down in very simplified ways that using everyday examples that people could understand, i.e. myself, I was start, I was able to sort of put the story together and I would say, oh, okay, I get this. I understand what this means. When you say the word algorithm, it seems very formal, very techie. And a lot of us think, oh, I'm not a techie person. And I'm, there's all these things that are going on. So I like to simplify. That is my superpower, simplifying complex ideas and strategies in social media. Um, so algorithms are basically a fancy word for a computer software. And there's a whole bunch of data points. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that you get to control the data points. It's not just a software program that's giving you data. And I think that's where people might feel a little bit overwhelmed is because we think, well, we don't control any of that. So the beautiful thing about it is in real estate, we are constantly working and staying connected with our community. Um, to be seen as the resource for market information and real estate information in the particular community that we are buying and selling properties in. And so it's really important to stay in contact, of course, with your sphere 
of past clients and potential new clients. And so what happens with social media is it gives you a very easy way to do that for free. You don't have to worry about updating their email addresses or their phone numbers. The beautiful thing is you don't even have to be connected to someone. Uh, in a lot of the social platforms like Instagram, you don't have to wait for somebody to necessarily approve your friend request or follow. And you can start engaging with those people in a private one-to-one -one direct message. So that's a really nice um, aspect because when I was starting in real estate, I had to have your address. <laughs> I had to know what your sure. phone number was. I had to hope that you would answer your phone. Um, so there's one aspect there. Now the data points the algorithm is looking at is your communication which I think hopefully should reduce a lot of content stress. There's a lot of content stress. What do I post? What time? What format? Oh, I have to be on video. Ugh. So it takes out the stress of having to post something. And what it does is it allows you and the person you're commenting on their post or direct messaging, it allows them to have a very positive experience with your brand because nine times out of 10, you're probably talking to them about them. <laughs> and that's, you know, what we all like to hear is about ourselves. And so you, when you say, oh, I love that new living room that you just posted. Oh my gosh, it looked like you had so much fun on your vacation. Oh, you adopted a new dog. That's great. So many ways to just have that communication in a very positive way. Now the computer, the software is just looking at data. And the fact that you're being a nice person and showing up and talking to people, they say, hmm, well, we're going to make sure that Jason sees Chelsea's posts higher up in the feed because the data is they're talking to each other. So we assume that they want to see more of each other's content. So beyond being a nice person and having those conversations, you're training the algorithm and really, truly commenting and engaging. I always say commenting over contenting. That's what they're primarily interested in for, not because they want people to have a great community. Of course they say that, but let's be honest, the more I talk to you, you get a notification that we're all trained to look at and want to make sure that we open it up and you come back into the platform and you're not likely just going to look at that one comment. You're probably going to scroll through, maybe spend some time, maybe they'll be able to serve you an ad. So it's getting you back into their system, which is exactly where they want you. So it's kind of an interesting cycle, but what you need to know about the algorithms, it's not just what you're posting. It's really about, are you using it as a communication tool, your text message, your email, your phone, and that will help you um, spend time there that's really effective, brand building, human, um, and also building those relationships. And you get the benefit of the data points going to the software. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great introduction. And, and I, I find it really interesting when you mentioned sort of the, the artificial intelligence that, that underlies uh, a, a lot of this. And I think about, you know, what I do a lot at TREB is, is you know, forecasting the market conditions in different segments of the market. And, and you know, we certainly use um, some algorithms where we're doing training based on historic data and what have you. But, you know, what I'm not as much of an expert on certainly is the, is the social media uh, side of things. And so when you mentioned software, uh, is that sort of platform specific? Like you'd have a, a, a software sort of building up these algorithms and, and it would be specific to different platforms, say like LinkedIn versus Instagram versus Facebook. How does that work? 
Okay, well, not to get too confusing, but I, I will break this down easily. Yes, sure. every system platform, so Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, they all have their own secret sauce, if you will, their own little recipe of right. what's working in their algorithms. At the end of the day, there's a lot of similarities. So for example, watch time, that's important to Facebook. It's important to Instagram. It's definitely important to YouTube. So there's variations on a theme there. Now to go even further, let's look at a platform like Instagram because it has so many different areas in it. They call it surfaces. Instagram refers to them as surfaces. So that's a great thing, but it also can be very overwhelming because you have live video and regular feed posts and you have stories and then you have reels. So there's a lot of different stuff. And each one of those areas has its own algorithm. So they kind of, again, work on the same thing. But what I, what I mean by that is just because I watch all of your stories in Instagram and I never engage with your feed posts, I'm still not likely to see your feed posts higher up in my feed if I'm not engaging with that particular format. I will see your stories closer to the front of the lineup though. So, um, yeah, I don't want to overwhelm people and think, oh my gosh, now I have to spend time in all of these different places. I think it's important if you're using Instagram to spend time in the stories and the home feed, because there are people that like the feed and people that like stories, and you might miss that opportunity to engage with people if you're not there. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think it makes sense that, you know, you're going to be taking different approaches depending on the platform that you're talking about. And so, for example, you know, a lot of agents use uh, a LinkedIn and it's kind of a bridge between, you know, sort of traditional contacts in the sense that you're, you're, you're making contacts and, uh, um, and also asking people to become contacts with you. So how do you use the, uh, uh, an algorithm-based uh, system with, with LinkedIn in, in, in particular, like sort of where are there some do's and don'ts associated with that? Yeah, or? I think as far as general algorithmic tips for any platform, um, easy to remember this phrase, commenting over contenting. That is always a good idea. It's always a great way to train the algorithm and support other people's content. And when you support other people's content, they remember your name and your profile picture. Uh, especially if maybe you're only one of a few people that are commenting. Um, so that always is going to work on any, any platform. In regards to your posting and your content, I would recommend um, instead of making a statement, ask a question. And that can be really broad. I mean, any platform you're on, whether you're making a video on YouTube or you're on LinkedIn, think about the topic you want to mention. So maybe it's a market update. And think about is there some kind of way that I could ask people's opinion or ask them a question instead of just posting an update? Um, and when people say, I don't know what to post in stories and I tell them to sort of document what they're doing, maybe look around you and I have like a yellow legal pad of notes right in front of me. And instead of maybe posting a picture of a yellow legal pad of notes, maybe I will ask people, what is your favorite way to take notes to make sure that you get your to-do list done? Because when you ask for that feedback, you are going to get more engagement. And that kind of goes through the algorithmic cycle of the more comments you get, <laughs> it gives more data sure. points. Um, so it does take a little bit of a long-term strategy. And I think being consistent is key. 
So yes, pick a day of the week and a time and post. A lot of people say, well, do I, is, are there better times of days? Hmm, not really. Um, you know, I think as long as you're consistent, you're telling the data, the algorithm, hey, I'm showing up at this time or around about this time on these days. And it just gives it more information. So we should push this out because we know Chelsea's active at 9 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So let's make sure that we sort of know that that's her consistent pattern. So uh, I think consistency overall is really important too. That's really interesting. So it's, it's not so much the time of day, 9 a.m. versus noon versus five, but rather that, uh, you know, you're consistent. So, you know, I might talk about have some sort of post or maybe I'm posing a question as you suggest on, uh, on the market, you know, every weekday at 10 a.m. or something like that. And, and then eliciting those responses from, um, I guess, my target audience. And, and that's sort of a question I have, too, is like, is this something that's a little bit organic? So, you know, as you start to make these posts and you're doing it consistently and you're asking these questions, um, but at the same time, are you, are you in the background also working to, I guess, identify a target audience of who you're kind of, you know, making these posts to? Like, how does that, uh, uh, how does that work with this sort of broader uh, concept of the algorithms and, and training them? Yeah, I think it can be really um, hard to have a blank slate. Um, you know, when I sat down to write my books, it was overwhelming because I just didn't have a template. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And sometimes some people lo love and thrive on that. For me, it was difficult to think about, well, who is my target audience? And what is my unique value proposition? And how do I start? And so I would say that getting started down that path is a good exercise to do. Maybe writing down, you know, uh, your niche, your expertise, even pulling into areas outside of your real estate niche. What are you really passionate about? What gets you out of bed? What brings you joy? What did you have um, when you were a teacher for 20 years and now you're in real estate? What did you glean from that experience? And so getting started and focusing on those things are really good. I would encourage anyone to be open to it evolving because you're gonna start doing social media, you're gonna start making content and it's a lot of testing, which can be really frustrating. <laughs> and the things that you spend a good amount of time on may or may not perform as well as the thing that you just posted in, in a minute when you had time. And you do have to kind of test and see what works for your audience. But generally speaking, I do think it is beneficial to have a niche and I think that it can be a little nerve wracking because you think, what if I miss out? What if I miss sure. out on that possibility? But sometimes what happens with content is the more focused you are, the easier it is to make content. So I'm going to give you an example from my eight-year-old who loves Minecraft. And if you're parents, you probably are familiar yep. with this theme. And Absolutely. if I said all video games, well, gosh, where do I start, right? Sure. Um, but if I said Minecraft, okay, well, let's talk about what's a crafting table? How do I build this? What different worlds? So I think it does help you narrow that focus a little bit. And then what happened, at least to me, is that when I got very narrow in the niche, it somehow helped me grow out of the niche too. And, you know, people would ask other questions. So um, don't be afraid to, to, to niche down. And yes, I think it is important to visualize, you know, who you would be helping. Right. 
No, that makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, e even from, a, I think, a, a, I think a realtor's context and agent's context, like <clears throat> almost drilling down into, you know, the market segment that you're focusing on, whether you're thinking about from a demographics perspective or, you know, the, the area that you're interested in or the types yeah, of homes like, or, or, you know, or you're only doing lakefront properties or yeah. golf course. Yeah, definitely helps you really narrow in on that or historic homes, things like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, and so once you're kind of, you know, narrowing this down and, and starting to get a handle on this, what about sort of adding value? So you're starting to do your posts or doing them at certain times, you've identified what you feel your target market is, at least initially, and you'll continue to hone it over time. Um, but, you know, what about adding value, like using photos and, and videos and, and, and that type of thing? How does that sort of build up your, your, your presence and, and get more views and get more of that interaction going on? Right. So I have a love-hate relationship with two words in marketing. One is authenticity and the other is value because they're really used a lot and really underexplained. I feel like. And I've sat in many conferences, many amazing events and have heard, you know, you've got to be authentic and you got to connect with your audience and you have to provide value. But I'm the kind of person that needs an exact example. <laughs> what is the value? What does the general community, what would they like? What would they be interested in? Um, so I, I do have a, a, a post that I made on my Instagram that talks about views versus value. And sometimes those metrics that can be a little bit of a shiny object, you can easily get wrapped up in. I do. Uh, I just realized that I was getting wrapped up in views in the last few months. And I said, you know what? this is, this is now changing my content or my strategy, or I'm getting stressed about it. So I need to pull back and not look at that because I need to remember at the end of the day, who am I trying to help? Am I trying to get views because it's more of an entertaining video, but it's the end of the day, it's not helping my target audience that wants to learn about say Instagram for real estate. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, and value comes in all shapes and sizes. And when I think of value, I think of it as, are you making someone smile? Are you sharing something positive? Are you inspiring? Are you motivating? Are you sharing a struggle that you're having today? Are you giving an educational tip, which usually that's where we go in our mind is, okay, it has to be educational. It can be, but it can be entertaining. It can be emotional. It can be engaging. And so there's a lot of value that we don't think because we think we have to make this incredible post and we need all these comments. You commenting thoughtfully three, four, five sentences in a comment and asking someone a question to further the conversation, that is value. That is value. So um, yes, you do at some point have to start posting. <laughs> um, and it, you know, you could start with all the questions that you normally get. And a lot of times we think, oh, nobody cares about that. That's kind of a boring, you know, nobody cares about what I do during the day. Nobody cares about these questions I get. And I fall into that category too. When I ask people what kind of content they want me to talk about. And I'm like, really? You want me to answer that question? I feel like I've talked about that. Or I feel like nobody would be interested. Right. So um, community-based information, your favorite local small businesses, your favorite uh, historic homes, your favorite tips on X, Y, and Z. You can mix it up and test it and you have to make the content to test it. And you have to make it for a while <laughs> to be consistent, um, to sort of understand, okay, well, I've made 10 videos that are all educational tips and they haven't been performing as well as I thought, or maybe they are. 
maybe I'll switch it and, you know, interview the local pizza place that's family owned and in the neighborhood that I'm selling. Oh, wow. That one actually got a lot more engagement. Maybe I'll start a series on that. So you do have to kind of go into it with an idea, but be flexible to sort of test it and change it as well. Yeah, those are really good points. And I guess, um, I think it's a, a, a decent segue into, into one of the last questions I had. That's how do you avoid, you know, spam in your social media profile? And, and, and so, you know, you're, you're doing all this work, you're thinking about, you know, the posts that are adding value rather than just posting for posting sake and, and everything else. And yet you're still seeing say spam show up in your, in your profile. How do you deal with that? And what are some, I guess, techniques that you can stay away from that? Yeah, so I'm going to bring it into like a bigger um, concept. I like to talk about like the mindset and, and really break down like sort of the behavior training about these things. Because I think once you understand that, you can say, you've got a point. Now I can kind of see what you're talking about there. And it makes these things a little bit easier to implement. So I'm going to get a little bit nerdy about <laughs> search for a moment. Um, so I want to talk about intention and intent and what people come to Instagram for. And I, when I say Instagram, I mean, TikTok, Instagram, the socials, the typical search sure. versus Google or even YouTube. Okay. When I'm going to Google, I get the box that says type something in, right? So yes. it doesn't read minds yet. Maybe it will, but you have to type something in. So you have to have some kind of intention that you know what you're looking for on some level and you want it to serve you those results. When I come to Instagram, I don't have that intention. Once in a while I do, but I open it up and I see what it shows me and maybe I'm killing time. Maybe I'm looking for entertainment. Maybe it's a habit. And so it's different intentions. So when you think about content, the idea of quote unquote spam, which I will even say, I call it polite spam because you're not intentionally meaning to spam people. Nobody wants sure. to do that. But if all of your content is, Hey, if you ever know anybody that's looking to buy or sell, think of me, which is very polite. That is not the intention that I'm, I just opened my Instagram for. So you're not meeting me at the right time. The content that I search for is the how to's the, what is the process? How do I avoid wire fraud? What is this, you know, escrow and all of that. But if that's the only content you're doing and it's only your listings and, and all of that, you might not be hitting me at the right time because I might not be ready. I might've just bought a house, but I still want community information because I'm living in that community. I'm definitely not ready to buy another house because I just closed on this one six months or a year ago. So how do you incorporate additional information? Like we want you, when people think of your town or your city or your area, we want them to think of you. Like you're the person, oh, you know all the things about getting the kids camps for the summer and you know, the, the breaks, the fall breaks and, oh, you know, everything about the local community boutiques. And while that has nothing to do with houses per se, um, it has everything to do with you being the resource for the community at large, which ultimately that is, you know, what we sure. want to associate you with. So, um, I think those are some things to, to think about. So when it comes to spam and I know that word is, is, can be perceived really negatively. And I, and again, I don't want people to feel badly. Um, but we have to think in terms of what are people looking for? They're looking for entertainment, they're looking for human things. 
They're looking for things that aren't really necessarily overly logoed. I mean, i.e. your face. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know. We've got to put our face <laughs> in our content. Um, you know, and it's okay if you're a human being. You can be professional and still be a human being. And you can share personal, i.e. human content, things that all of us do. You know, we maybe we watch movies, we uh, have a dog, we like cooking, we like eating, things like that. Um, that don't have to be private. You can be a very private person and still share content that is connective in some manner. So I think being more human, showing your face, um, even if you're giving a market update, which is business, sure, uh, sure. you doing a short video of it, your voice, your face, it's you, we're connecting. <laughs> um, so I think sometimes also DMs can get very iffy because to me, that's a sacred space. And you would think it wouldn't be because you don't need to basically have my information to connect with me. But I almost think it's the opposite of that. And I don't want any of your spam. I don't want you to tell me that you can help me or I have this or we should get together because I have, you know, I can help you with your house or your listing. If I want that, I will reach out to you because I've seen your content and I have the like, no trust. So we don't want to spam people in the DMs, even if it's polite spam, um, because that then that puts the person in the offense and we're like, oh gosh, now I know they saw the message. So I feel right. like I have to respond. I don't want to be rude. Um, and you don't want people having that experience with your brand where they feel forced to have that engagement with you. So I think just being human and talking to people and having conversations, especially if it's about them, uh, um, is always probably the, the best way to go. And what's interesting is, you know, we're in an industry where it, it goes into so many different pieces of our lives that it's so easy to talk about. We're not dentists. Like how random is it gonna be to talk to someone in a DM and just start talking about, hey, have you been in to see the dentist lately? Um, but you know, we talk about the community and the kids being in school and what's going on and how's business been. So there's so many different ways, I think, to talk about, to have it kind of come up naturally that you may not necessarily need to kind of do those cold copy paste messages, hoping that, you know, a numbers game, somebody will reply out of a hundred people that you've messaged. Yeah, I, you know, I, I really like that and the, the, the concept of, you know, a realtor, an agent, you know, being a, an active grassroots participant in the community and, and, uh, and, and people who remember that and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come back to your, your various platforms and, and, uh, and, and profiles as a result. You know, we, we've talked about um, a lot of the do's um, in, in, our, in our chat today, but um, maybe, maybe we could just sort of leave off final question on, you know, what are two or three don'ts that people should, should take away from this as well? Yeah, well, I'm all about creating a sustainable long-term stress-free strategy. This is social media. It should be fun. It should be a compliment. Yes, there are going to be times where you have to time block and do some work, but that's part of your prospecting and part of your branding and marketing. Um, but, you know, we can, we can hear all the podcasts and all the blogs and, and it can be overwhelming because you might hear somebody that's an expert talking about you should post five times a week and you should make sure that you have your hashtag formula dialed in and all of that is, can be really overwhelming. And at the end of the day, I think if you really stick to using it as a conduit to talk to someone, i.e. hopefully your past and current clients, then you'll stay 
in their realm. You'll, you'll build that brand awareness. So don't stress about all the things that you're hearing um, from all the experts and the trainers. Pick up one or two things, try that, implement that, and do something sustainable long-term. If that is one post a week for you, perfectly fine. If you can commit to a year of that, you'll have 52 posts that you've made. Um, so, you know, it's, it's consistency over time. So I think that's the number one thing is, is to be, stay sustainable, to not get overwhelmed. Um, another one is you don't have to be everywhere in the same capacity. Um, I think you need to have basically a website on everyone. You need to have your Facebook business page needs to be optimized. You need an Instagram needs to be optimized. Same thing with LinkedIn, et cetera. But if you love YouTube, and that is where you want to be. You can spend the majority of your time in YouTube. What you focus on expands. Um, so if you want to focus on TikTok or Instagram, whatever it is, those things all work. Everything works. Um, calling people works. Being in person works. Open houses work. You know, it all works. It just depends on how much you focus on it. And I think we've already talked about my, my top one that I always discuss is, you know, the polite spam. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, I mean, we wouldn't go to like, let's say a networking meeting and hand someone a business card and then walk away. Right. Uh, that'd be odd. We'd be like, well, that was, <laughs> um, so we just have to think about, it's not different than in real life. It just happens to be online. So I think also one other thing I would recommend is over branding. You at the end of the day, you, your face are the brand that you're the person they want to work with. And so if your content looks too branded, sometimes that can almost look like an ad or be perceived as an ad. Um, certainly you have to stay within all of the guidelines of your association and all of that. But if the only thing you're posting looks like a very branded, like, you know, just sold or what, something like that. And that's it. And that's the only thing you see. We never see your face. We never hear your voice. You're probably not going to have as much success with your social media as somebody that's actually showing up as their human self in, in the content. That's great. And, and, and Chelsea, I, I really appreciate our discussion today. You know, I, I'm not huge on social media and, and I feel I'm walking away with, you know, a lot of great information. I've learned a lot. So I really appreciate it. I know our listeners will appreciate it too, especially our members that, you know, use social media a lot. They might, you know, be able to take a step back and reassess what their strategy is. And then certainly, you know, our membership uh, who are looking at becoming more engaged on social media. So, you know, a wealth of information. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I love talking about social and especially de-stressing it. <laughs> Thank you very much. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today's episode as well. And don't forget to subscribe to Treb's Ready to Real Estate podcast to get notified of new episodes. Thanks, everyone. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate and thank you for tuning in.